This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the program. Time to wrap up the sporting week here on The Morning Show. Thanks for joining us on 1170 AM, wherever you've got us via the SEN app uh, fantastic fantastic whichever way you want to look at it it's friday and we've got plenty to get through this morning cricket of course how deep did you go last night and what about the opening stanza from australia it's as good as you'll see from a fielding bowling side with intent we'll talk a lot about that formula one of course that build-up to las vegas continues and i've got some breaking news from well, I don't know. We haven't heard from Greg from Gundagai. We've only been on air for a couple of seconds. But now we, we need to follow this one because the horse that uh, Greg from Gundy tipped in today's Snake Gully Cup, well, there's a glitch, folks, because it's been scratched. So <laughs> he gave us Kelvedon Road, which was number five in the Snake Gully Cup, which is race seven at Gundy today. And that was going to be Greg's get out, get out horse. That was going to be the one that we gave him the free pass. It's been scratched. So we're back to square one. I don't know how far we want to take this this morning, but we're back to square one, and that's where we're going to start. In fact, what I'll do later on when we do Chris Nelson's tips, Chris will look at the races at the Sunshine Coast tomorrow, Newcastle and Caulfield as well. I'll see if Chris can actually go through the form guide and pick us a winner from the Snake Gully Cup. But Greg... You're now on notice. Your horse has been scratched. 0457 736 736. It's been that kind of week, and I reckon it's going to be that kind of Friday. Bryce McGain will join us as we pick apart Australia's performance last night, South Africa's effort to push us pretty hard at the back end of that one. Jaleesa Raps with the latest in rugby league. She'll be on the road, of course, for Channel 7, so we'll touch base with JA and get the latest news there. I mean... It kind of is what it is at the moment in in rugby league. Wayne Bennett's had his say about salary cap dispensation concerns, and we floated that earlier this week. As soon as that news came out, it wasn't going to take long before we got opposing views to it. And Wayne Bennett is an opposing view to it. The Dragons, as we've spoken about, Shane Flanagan has been very proactive in his statements about who they're after and what they want to do. David Riccio this morning on the Brecky Show said... The money, everything's starting to get in order. And then perhaps we can expect a bit of a big splash from the Dragons over the next four to six weeks. And I know St. George Illawarra fans will be sweating on that. So the proof will be in the pudding there. As I mentioned, Chris Nelson will have our race tips for us. And Broski will break down what happened last night at Amy Park in Melbourne for the Socceroos. Essentially, 
glitch-free, 7-0 over Bangladesh, which was an expected victory, but I don't know about the expected margin. And the emotion around Graham Arnold's 59th game in charge. I mean, this is one match that Australia was destined to win, expected to win and did win, but it still means a lot. It means they get this campaign off to a flyer and probably importantly, it allows them to put that behind them really quickly. They got the job done. Arnold got to see exactly what he's got in front of them. They did it well. Crowd of about 20,000 out there, but now there's a different test, a very unique test in this one. And, and I think we've got to think about the players and staff and all of this in, in what's going to happen and the opposition, obviously. They're going to jump on a plane and go to Q8, travel to the Middle East. Now, travel and all that kind of stuff is nothing new for a, a global game, but with everything that's going on over there and the opponents that they've got next Wednesday, they're going to be put in quite a unique position. So... We'll have to see how they handle that. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy is the open line number. So Australia now seeking World Cup title number six. They are into their eighth final. It'll be our first final since we beat New Zealand back in 2015. And the second time we'll play India in a final after beating them back in 2003. That was the day that Ricky Ponting went berserk. And he was helped along very well by Damian Martin. Damian Martin, 88, not out. Ricky, 140 not out as Australia won the World Cup in Johannesburg in 03 by 125 runs. So that was the last time that we played India in the final and we'll front up against them on Sunday evening under clear skies. I've checked the weather and uh, there's no sign of any of the rain that caused a bit of problems last night but thankfully didn't cause a washout. Australia have won four of the last six World Cups. Now, all of those stats are important because it points to what Australia does so well in these tournaments. Builds, builds and builds. And then when the pressure's on, normally they deliver. And last night they delivered. So South Africa, 212 off 49.4. In the end, David Miller was there with a pretty cool century. 101 Heinrich Klassen's uh, 47. Only three other batters made double figures. But if you're like me and you were tuned in from ball number one, especially the way that it panned out Australia time, it was amazing to watch the Aussies in top gear. I mean, this is a purely professional outfit that you saw last night. Don't underestimate those first eight to ten overs and what Australia did in those conditions at that time and the intent that they showed. Now, remember, if you are with us earlier in the week, we played you some of what Mitchell Stark had to say when he did his media call, and the word kept coming out. It was intent. So we start to pick up what they're talking about in the dressing room as well and in the team meetings because they're reflected. Pat Cummins spoke about big moments. Intent, intent, intent. It was there in spades last night. Mitch Marsh, uh, Mitchell Stark, rather, 3 for 34. Paddy Cummins, 3 for 51. Josh Hazelwood, 2 for 12. Does that surprise anyone? Stark, Cummins and Hazelwood. What's that? Eight wickets between them. Stark, Cummins and Hazelwood. The cream rises to the top. In reply, Australia get there in the end to win by three wickets with 16 balls left. Travis Head, 62. Steve Smith, 30. Josh Inglis, Inglis with 28. And Stark and Cummins there again, not out. Starkey 16, Cummins 14. The fielding was brilliant by Australia, especially early on. 
David Warner and Marnus Labashain in the covers were working like a wolf pack that wasn't going to let anyone go past them without chopping them down. They were unbelievable. The conditions were changing and it was tricky, but they played to it. Weird to see the full ground covers on before the match, but good to see as well, because finally somebody at the ICC decided to spend some cash and do what was needed to get a full game. So that intent from Australia was unreal, and it was a rock-solid performance, especially early on, to show that their professionalism and their switched-on attitude will be there in the game against India. So that leads us to Sunday night. As we get through the show this morning, I'll play you some of what everyone had to say, the main players from last night. But Sunday night in Ahmedabad at 7.30 our time, 34 degrees, clear and sunny. India, is the pressure all on them here? They've won the World Cup twice. They won it back in 1983 at Lords. Kapil Dev was captain. They won it 2011, uh, 2011 against Sri Lanka in Mumbai, so a home victory back in 2011. MS Dhoni was captain. Has Virat Kohli played his grand final already? Australia will be hoping so. He's not going to get another opportunity to surpass Sachin Tendulkar with Sachin in the stands in a moment like he did the other night. We're talking about one of the all-time greats here, and you wonder whether or not India have maybe played their grand final already. It's going to be huge on Sunday night. So give me your thoughts around that. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy is the open line number. What did you see from Australia last night? What were the coolest parts of the game last night? Do you see any change to the lineup against India? And if India already fired their biggest shot in this tournament, it's going to be enormous. Surely the pressure for the World Cup final has to be on the host nation of this World Cup. They're used to it. They've got superstars and they've certainly got the form unbeaten. WBBL overnight. Perth Scorchers beat the Sydney Sixers at North Sydney Oval. So Perth are now 8-3. and three. The Scorchers win by 61 runs. Beth Mooney, 91 not out of 57 deliveries. And the Sixers, in reply, fell short. Elise Perry did her best with 40 off 29. We've got a couple of games today. Stars and Hurricanes, and then the Heat v. the Renegades. Now, Formula One in Las Vegas. So the countdown is on. Man, oh man. Can they pack that city anymore with any more bells and whistles than what they've got going with Formula One? You wouldn't think so until the Formula One show rolled into town. So there's a couple of really interesting things going on here. One is Formula One's penetration into the United States market. Now, they've held races in Vegas before. It was 1981 and 82, and it was a shambles. They did it in the car park at Caesars Palace. And Bernie Eccleston was adamant Formula One would only ever race in Las Vegas on the Strip. The problem with that was that the casino operators went, we don't need the strip shut down, so we don't need Formula One. It was said Formula One needs Vegas more than Vegas needs Formula One. But that may have changed because thanks to Drive to Survive, Bernie's now gone. They've got new owners. They've got new people in charge. Formula One's promoting this event themselves. Don't underestimate the sphere in all of this and everything that it brings to it. So does Formula One need Vegas at the moment more than Vegas needs it? I don't know. Perhaps it's even Stevens. The build-up's been quite unique. 
We'll have a 10 o'clock Saturday night race start over there, which will be 5 o'clock on Sunday afternoon here. It's interesting to note, too, Formula One's first ever world championship race was actually held on a Saturday. I think there have only been 50-odd races on a Saturday since, but the very first race at Silverstone was held on a Saturday. We're looking at a circuit around Vegas of 6.2 kilometres, 14 turns. There are three big long straights, including one massive one down the back from 9 to 11 that is just a flat-out back straight, and then some sharp corners. The Sphere, turns 5, 6 and 7 will wrap around the Sphere, and it's got all sorts of stuff going on it. They also won't, as I told you yesterday, they won't be using yellow or red or blue colours during the sessions because they don't want to, on the Sphere that is, they don't want to um, confuse the drivers for any of those yellow or red, in particular, flags that you would use throughout a normal race session. So they're just not going to use those colours because the sphere looks down over everyone. Local airports are being flooded with private jets. You have to pay between 1500 US and 7500 US to park your local private jet for the night. And one of the airports there has actually gone and got an extra 18 acres of parking space. They did driver introductions overnight and very different approaches from different drivers. So I'm going to play you our two Aussies, what they're thinking, and then Max Verstappen. And I've got a question off the back of this for you around Max in particular. Have a listen to Daniel Ricciardo's take on it. This is all about the build-up. This is about being at showtime in Vegas. And here's Daniel Ricciardo's take on it. It's cool. It's always cool, of course. I mean, being in Vegas, I think being in Vegas sober is already unique. Obviously, that clip circulated of me mentioning it, I think, in 2017. But now that we're, and again, I'm not, I said it, but a lot of people put in a lot of work to make this happen. Uh, I, I did nothing. But, uh, but yeah, knowing that we're here, you know, six years later, and we're not somewhere in the outside you know outskirts of vegas we are in on the strip i don't know it's it's definitely surreal i feel like we're living in a movie how cool is that so daniel ricardo a few years ago was like you know let's go to vegas let's do all that and here they are and he's loving it i mean he's just soaking it up he's having a great time now the flip side of that is max verstappen right he's already wrapped up the world championship the guy's an absolute freak we we know that but have a listen to Max Verstappen's hype build-up. And he's been asked here about Vegas. Have a listen to what he talks about. Vegas, there's been so much promotion, so much hype. And now we're here, big opening party. How does it feel to, to be in this place, to be in this city ready for this weekend? Yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, I, I just tried to approach it as another Grand Prix. I mean, you always want to do the best you can, you know, once you sit in the, in the car. And uh, besides that, I think what we, uh, of course, have to focus on is just learning the track, learning the, the grip, um, and, and, of course, try to set up the car in, in the best possible way. Max, you're asked about Vegas. This is one of the biggest shows that Formula One's put on. You just cannot, you can't look around and see grip and setup and all this about the car. He was asked about the hype. Daniel Ricciardo says, how cool is it? We're in Vegas and we're sober. Woohoo!" Max Verstappen goes, oh, yes, the car is good. You know, da, 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 da. He's the only bloke that complained about being out there for 30 seconds 
30 seconds about the driver introduction. For me, you can skip all of these things, he said. It's not about the singer. It's just standing up there. You look like a clown. 30 seconds, mate. He was asked to go up for 30 seconds, wave to the big crowd, and then down they went. And he said, I'm not looking forward to it. I'm not looking forward to this show. But, you know, I'm, I'm not going to fake it. And that's just how I am. I don't like it at all. I grew up just looking at the performance side of things, and that's how I see it as well. So for me, I like to be in Vegas, but not so much for racing. It's not very interesting, the track. Could he talk it down anymore? Now, Max Verstappen is an out-and-out champion. And the reason why he's an out-and-out champion is because he's got that singular focus about it. But, man, he's boring. Holy cow, they're in the most unboring place you can find to hold a Formula One race. Is Max Verstappen up there with one of the most boring athletes you've seen? <laughs> I've got absolute credit. I'll give him absolute credit for what he does in a race car and what he's done in the championships. There's no doubt about it. But I also don't think there's any doubt that he's one of the most boring athletes. So we talk about X, and I'm not taking the long handle here. It's just a reflection on what I see and what I hear when I think about Max Verstappen. Like, come on, mate. You're the world champ. This sport's given you everything. You are going to go out to your private jet after this and fly back off. This sport's given you everything. The least you can do is smile and wave to the crowds for 30 seconds and be part of the show because that's what it's all about. Because if that show ain't there, you ain't there driving. Is he boring? Have I missed the play here? Is there anyone else who's more boring than Max Verstappen in the world of sport? one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. Uh The Western Sydney Eagle says, Max, great driver, personality of a garden. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, dear, 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 dear. Yes. Uh, 0457-736-736. I told you it's going to be a fantastic, fantastic Friday. We'll have some good fun doing it. We also want to know the breathtaking moment thanks to ResMed, helping Aussies sleep and breathe better for over 30 years. Well, Max will help you sleep. There's no doubt about that. The Sphere Show will be breathtaking, in my opinion. By the time we get to Monday, we'll be talking about the kind of show that Formula One's put on. Racing, not so sure yet. Let's cover all of that. We've got plenty of guests. Time for your texts and calls after this right here on SEN.